Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. News. Today is Friday, June 23rd. I'm Leslie Palma. And I'm Teresa Watson. We're so glad you joined us. Tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the historic Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. In our top story, we'll talk to Mississippi State Representative Becky Curry, who wrote the law that led to Roe's downfall. And we'll tell you where you can join the celebrations in Washington, D.C. tomorrow. Teresa will tell you about the fast track to trial for former President Donald Trump and how Florida Governor Ron DeSantis wooed Nevada voters last weekend. Leslie will tell you about the new Gallup poll and what voters think about candidates that don't agree with them on abortion and check in on pro-aborts collecting signatures for a ballot amendment in Ohio. Please stay until the end when Teresa and I will reminisce about our just completed first year on the air and some of the great guests we've had the honor of interviewing. Tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the U.S. Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. It's also the first anniversary of pro-life primetime news, and we'll have more on that later. Right now, let's take a look at how we reacted to the news at Priests for Life last year. National Director Frank Pavone and Brian Kemper, our coordinator of street activism, were at the National Right to Life Convention, but were connected to our studio where Janet Marano was waiting for the decision from D.C., Here's a look at the moment we got the news. Welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Our top story tonight takes us to Washington, D.C., where the Supreme Court has overturned the Roe v. Wade decision from 1973 that legalized abortion throughout the country and throughout pregnancy. It was an exciting moment here at Priests for Life in Florida. And Teresa, can you tell our viewers what, what it was like for us here? Oh, my goodness. It was just one of those things, you know, when we talk about monumental things that happen in history, right? Where were you? What happened? What were you doing when you heard the news? So we want to show you, right? We've got some great we, footage. Yeah, we can show you where we were when we heard the news. We just got handed down. Dogs. Oh, my goodness. All right. Okay, let's read. Held. Held. The Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Yes! <laughs> Oh my gosh! Roe and Casey are overruled. Roe is overturned! The authority to regulate abortion. Oh my god! Yes! Praise you, Jesus! The authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people. Oh my god! The people and their elected representatives. Roberts! Roberts concurs. In yes, six to three. We won. Woo! Crazy. Oh my pray. gosh! Let's pray right now. Lord, thank you because at this moment, you have answered the prayers, the sacrifices, the 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 the, the, the work of pro-life people for five decades. Lord God, oh all their prayers and so many who have passed on before us, Norma McCorvey and Sandra Cano and Bernard Nathanson and <laughs> Nellie Gray and, and Jack Wilkie and, and so many other people, uh, Mildred Jefferson and Lord, so Josh many people whose names we know, whose names we don't know, uh, 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 who have labored for this day, who have worked for this moment, who have prayed for this uh, outcome, who have dreamt about it, who have wondered, how will this happen? Now, Lord, you, we see your faithfulness. We see your faithfulness at this moment. We see that the answer 
and 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 Lord, thank you. We just thank you and we praise you. Janet, what do you think, Larry? Oh, I, I'm like as they say in Yiddish, "Vaklams crying." Oh my God. Here. Uh, you know, over 30 years of my life, I've worked for this moment. Um, and I just remember, Father, before Norma passed us on the phone, talking to her and promising her we would work to see this happen. And Norma, we did it. We did it. Everyone did it. The entire pro-life movement did it. You know, I always used to say, everyone used to argue about what case would do it. And I used to say, get out of the way. The case that overturned Roe was called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, and it asked the court to rule on the constitutionality of a law from Mississippi that protected babies from abortion at 15 weeks. The author of the law was Mississippi Representative Becky Curry, and we have her with us tonight. Welcome, Becky. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Becky, it's so good to connect with you again. Um, how has your first year post row been? Well, it's gone by fast and <laughs> uh, and it's been wonderful. You know, uh, I have passed this law and thought it was going to be a little law for Mississippi and it, it changed the United States. And to think of how many babies we've saved is just so uplifting. Absolutely. So abortion in Mississippi has been banned in most instances since July 7th of last year. How does it feel to live in an abortion-free state? Absolutely wonderful. Um, we have not had a lot of problems here, which, you know, you anticipate more than, than that has happened. And I'm very proud of my state. I'm very proud of the legislators who stood with me, uh, our governor, and uh, we're moving forth and we're doing some good things in our state. Well, Becky, have pro-choice lawmakers been working to reestablish abortion in the state during this past legislative session? They worked very little, which was a real surprise to me. I thought that they would. Uh, this being an election year uh, for, for Mississippi, for our governor and legislators, um, I, I was real surprised it's not even a topic here. Wow, that's amazing. So we were going to ask you about the election coming up in November. Are you running for re-election and do you have any primary challengers? I am running for re-election. I'll be going into my fifth term in the legislature unopposed. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Wow, that's great. <laughs> it's wonderful. So I just have to ask, how does it feel to have played such a huge role in ending legal abortion on the national scale in your state? You know, God used me in so many ways that and I didn't even see it coming. You know, he, he works uh, through you and 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 with you. And he's put a, a cover over me that I've not listened to any of the bad. And I've only uh, done his work. And when you do that, you know, it, it makes it very easy. Um, I, I have not had a lot of, of, of people that have been uh, angry or ugly. Uh, I've just had so much support from my community and my family. And, you know, things are moving in the right direction. And, you know, it's, it's just so, I'm, I'm so proud. You know, I've been pro-life all my life. We worked for years and I didn't think this was going to happen. And I write a little bill in Mississippi and overturn Roe v. Wade. You just cannot imagine <laughs> how that feels. No, I can't. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us this evening. I know you must be very popular in these days. <laughs> well, I'm doing a few interviews, but, you know, all is quiet and it's actually how I like it. Okay, well, thank you so much for everything you've done for the unborn and for, for joining us tonight.
thank you for having me and God bless all of you. Thank you, Becky. Bye-bye. Bye. This weekend, both pro-life and pro-abortion advocates are gathering in our nation's capital to celebrate or protest the death of Roe. This morning at a press conference in front of the U.S. Capitol building, the pro-life group Live Action announced its new North Star initiative that calls for national recognition of 14th Amendment protections for pre-born children. This afternoon, Live Action brought 1,350 balloons to the Department of Health and Human Services to protest the death of that many children every day killed by a chemical abortion. Tomorrow morning at 10.30, former Vice President Mike Pence will speak at National Celebrate Life Day at the Lincoln Memorial. Dr. Alveda King, a senior advisor and board member at Priests for Life, also will speak, will speak. And Brian Kemper, our coordinator of street activism, will be there as well. Later tomorrow at 1 p.m. on the west side of the U.S. Capitol by Union Square, Priests for Life will join Stanton Healthcare Purple Sass Revolution for a prayer and worship service. National Director Frank Pavone and Brian Kemper will be there to offer prayers. Pro-abortion organizations like NARAL and the Women's March are planning a rally in D.C. as well, so be on the lookout for them if you're there. Democrats in Congress spent the week pushing pro-abortion bills that will not pass because the Republicans still have a slim majority in the House and Senate Democrats don't have the 60 votes they would need to upend the filibuster. But the party needs to show the abortion cartel that funds their campaigns that they're working hard to bring back abortion on the national level. On Wednesday, House Democrats filed a discharge petition in an effort to force a vote on the Radical and Extreme Women's Health Protection Act. The discharge petition can move a bill to the House floor for consideration without committee approval, but it needs the signature of 218 members, and the Democrats fall short of that even if all of them are willing to sign it. On Thursday, Massachusetts Democrat Representative Ayanna Presley introduced the Abortion Justice Act, calling for your tax dollars to be spent to reimburse women who have to travel out of state for abortions and to invest in abortion training for health care workers. Democrats in the Senate are trying to use unanimous consent to advance four bills aimed at ensuring access to contraception and abortion. That effort is also doomed to fail, as it would require just one Republican senator to quash the effort. Also this week, the lawyer who argued and lost the Dobb case in the Supreme Court has been confirmed for a seat on the Federal First Circuit Court of Appeals. All Senate Democrats present for the vote on Tuesday, along with Republican Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, voted in favor of sending Julie Rickleman to the federal bench. Rickleman represented Diane Dursis, owner of the last abortion business in Mississippi, in her bid to overturn the state's law protecting babies from abortion at 15 weeks. Not only was the law upheld, but Roe v. Wade was overturned. Wherever you are tomorrow, I'm sure that, like us, you'll be saying a prayer of thanksgiving that the tragedy of Roe v. Wade is behind us and that efforts to protect the unborn are continuing. Republican presidential candidate and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis headlined the 2023 Basque Fry on Saturday, making him the first 2024 presidential candidate to visit Nevada. He was introduced by his former roommate, former Nevada Attorney General Adam Luxalt. In a 51-minute speech, DeSantis criticized COVID-19 policies and teaching critical race theory in classrooms, committed to shutting down the southern border and building a wall, and promised an overhaul of the FBI if elected president. We can't let our country descend into some type of dumpster fire of woke ideology, and that's not going to happen on my watch, DeSantis said in his speech. We have a red wave in Florida. 
We showed what it means to win and win big for the first time in our state since the era of the Civil War. There's not one single Democrat elected to statewide office. That is called winning, he said. An August special election that will determine citizens' future access to the Ohio Constitution and potentially the fate of an abortion rights amendment can go forward as planned despite state lawmakers passing a law last year that eliminated most elections in August. The Ohio Supreme Court ruled on Friday. In a 4-3 decision, the High Court found that the legislature's constitutional right to determine the dates of election trumps any laws they might pass to limit them. In a baffling turn of events, the Donald Trump-appointed federal judge overseeing his Marilaka classified documents debacle appears to have placed the case on warp speed, setting a trial just two months away. On Monday morning, federal court records showed that U.S. District Judge Cannon created what's referred to as a rocket docket to speed his trial through the system. Cannon issued an order stating that the most historic criminal trial in American history will commence August 14th. That's just 53 days away, while most federal trials take up to a year or more as both sides prepare for an epic showdown in court. Peter Carr, a spokesman for the Department of Justice Special Counsel Jack Smith, could not confirm that this decision was correct and not simply a typo. Trump's defense lawyers did not immediately respond to questions. Dozens of legislative primaries in Virginia on Tuesday offered clues to the state's political direction, as well as a glimpse into how allegiance to former President Donald Trump appears to be a weakness in many parts of the country. All of it is going to matter in the state, one of two this year that has a split legislature, the other is Pennsylvania, where Republicans who narrowly control the House of Delegates and Democrats who narrowly hold the state Senate are both vying to control of the Capitol. Every seat in both chambers is up for grabs in November, and because this is the first cycle to feature the state's redrawn legislative maps, there were a number of competitive primaries Tuesday in which veteran lawmakers of the same party ran against each other. Held just four days before the first anniversary of the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to strike down Roe v. Wade, Tuesday's elections in Virginia featured several races in which the debate over abortion rights featured prominently. In a Democratic primary for a Richmond-area state Senate seat, former delegate LaCherise Aird, who made her support for abortion rights the centerpiece of her campaign, defeated the incumbent Joe Morrissey, who opposes abortion rights, according to the Associated Press. Meanwhile, Republican State Senator Amanda Chase, who represents a district not far from Richmond, lost her primary to a conservative challenger, former State Senator Glenn Sturtevant, putting on further display the enduring political challenges that acolytes of Trump still face. Chase, who dubbed herself Trump in heels, attended the January 6, 2021 rally in Washington that preceded the storming of the U.S. Capitol. She soon began calling the rioters patriots, prompting a 2021 censure from her state Senate colleagues. Governor Glenn Youngkin, who hasn't entirely ruled out a 2024 presidential bid, ultimately endorsed 66 candidates in the legislative primaries, 46 for the House of Delegates and 20 for the state Senate. Only a handful of those races shaped up to be close on Tuesday, but two candidates he had endorsed who were in races that had been expected to be tight prevailed, suggesting that his political brand remained strong in the state. 
in a state Senate primary for an open seat in the Fredericksburg area between Delegate Tara Durant and Matt Strickland, the Youngkin-backed Durant prevailed. And in another state Senate primary for a seat in the Hampton Roads area, Delegate Emily Brewer, backed by Youngkin, defeated Hermie Sandler. The general elections in both of these districts are expected to be close and could make the difference in Republicans' attempts to win control of the state Senate, a goal Youngkin has prioritized in the coming months ahead of a possible presidential bid. And that's political news in a nutshell. The thug who brutally attacked two pro-life activists in front of a Planned Parenthood in Baltimore on May 26th is still on the loose. A video released by police last Friday has yet to lead to the capture of the man who knocked 80-year-old Dick Schaefer unconscious for several minutes and then repeatedly punched and kicked 73-year-old Mark Crosby. We're going to play the video, but please be warned that it's difficult to watch. Baltimore Police Department Central District Detectives need your help identifying a suspect involved in an assault that occurred on May 26, 2023, around 10.20 in the morning in the 300 block of North Howard Street, Surveillance video shows the suspect, a white male with a beard, approaching a group outside the Planned Parenthood building. After a heated conversation, the suspect tackles one of the victims into the ground. Another victim, who came to help, is then assaulted by the suspect. Anyone with information about the incident or the suspect is asked to call Central District Detectives at 410-396-2411. To remain anonymous, call Metro Crime Stoppers of Maryland at one eight six six seven lockup A pro-life leader in Iowa is calling for three justices on the state Supreme Court who voted against reinstating the Hartford bill to resign or face impeachment. Bob Vanderplatz of the Christian group The Family Leader on Saturday tweeted that justices, quote, have shown blatant disrespect for the Constitution, the people's representatives, and we the people. They should resign, be impeached, or be ousted. Vanderplatz helped oust three other justices who voted in 2009 to legalize same-sex marriage in the state. The three lost their seats during a routine retention vote in 2010. The three justices in the heartbeat case are not up for a retention vote until 2028. A law set to take effect July 1st in Kansas would require abortion providers to tell women they might be able to save their babies if they change their minds about abortion after taking the first drug in a chemical abortion. Planned Parenthood Great Plains filed a lawsuit challenging the law, and this week Kansas officials agreed not to enforce it until a court can rule on the abortion seller's request for a temporary injunction. Pro-aborts and their media henchmen continue to call the procedure junk science, but thousands of children across the nation are alive today as a result of abortion pill reversal. Leaders of the Ohio Democratic Party say they have collected 100,000 signatures of the 413,000 needed to get an amendment on the ballot this November that, if passed, would allow abortion without limit and strip parental and conscience rights from Ohioans. State Democrats were among several groups collecting signatures in advance of a July 5th deadline, but the others, including Planned Parenthood and the ACLU, have not reported how many signatures they've gathered. New York State has passed yet another pro-abortion bill. This one ensures that abortionists in the state cannot be prosecuted for mailing abortion pills to women in states that ban abortion. The action comes as emergency room doctors and OBGYNs across the country are witnessing an increase in women suffering physical injuries from chemical abortion. Also in New York, a federal appeals court on Wednesday upheld a New York County, County's law barring pro-lifers from approaching people outside abortion facilities. The next stop for the Westchester-based case could be the U.S. Supreme Court. 
A Cleveland abortion business responsible for at least two women's deaths since 2014 sent another woman to the hospital this month. Operation Rescue on Wednesday reported that sidewalk counselor Fred Sokol saw six paramedics helping a woman who was said to be suffering from a dangerous hemorrhage following an abortion at preterm Cleveland on June 2nd. Preterm has a long history of botching abortions. Because of Sokol's regular presence on the sidewalk, he has been able to provide details and documentation in 11 of the 23 medical emergencies Operation Rescue has investigated at preterm. The facility has also failed health inspections for neglecting to verify credentials of medical personnel, utilizing untrained personnel, lacking physician oversight, failing to follow their own procedures during the hospital transfer process, and faulty record keeping. Lakeisha Wilson died in 2014 following a second trimester abortion at preterm, and Tia Parks bled to death after an abortion there in 2019. Republicans returned to the Oregon legislature following a six-week walkout after they gained some concessions from Democrats on an abortion bill. The new bill, expected to become law, calls for parents to be notified of an abortion on a girl younger than 15, unless the abortionist decides that telling parents would not be in the best interest of the child. The original bill also would make it legal to conceal the death of an infant, but Democrats agreed to drop that measure. Researchers at Cambridge University in Great Britain have developed the world's first synthetic human embryo using stem cells, but without using an egg or sperm. The embryo could help researchers understand certain genetic disorders and the causes of miscarriage. Current law allows experiments on human embryos for up to 14 days after fertilization, but the synthetic model would not be subject to those regulations. Bioethicists, as you can imagine, have many concerns. And finally, a new Gallup poll out this week found that 28% of respondents said they will only vote for political candidates who agree with them on abortion. That's only one percentage point higher than a poll taken a year ago, but it does represent a new high for Gallup. Nearly two-thirds of those who put the abortion issue first are pro-abortion. In last year's poll, a majority of those looking for agreement on abortion were pro-life. 56% of respondents said abortion views are important but are just one factor when choosing a candidate. 14% said they don't care about a candidate's opinion on abortion. And that's Abortion in the News. Teresa and I are very excited to introduce you to our guest, the CEO of a company who is taking a different position to help his employees who are having children. Please welcome Michael Seifert, the CEO of Public Square. Hi there, Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> well, Michael, before we talk about the special benefit, um, tell us about Public Square. I'd be happy to. We are the nation's largest marketplace of pro-life, pro-family, and pro-freedom businesses. We stand against the hyper-politicization of corporate America, where you see brands like Target and Bud Light and Starbucks and Citibank and others that have seemingly taken such an anti-truth stance. We sing a different tune. We actually have assembled over 55,000 different business vendors that have joined our platform. And then we showcase those businesses to over 1.1 million consumer members that are able to shop their values. So you can know with a blessed assurance that you're not funding your opposition. So that's our company. It's free to join. You can sign up at publicsq.com. And we launched nationwide July 4th of 2022. So we're coming up on our one year anniversary. Yeah, well, congratulations. Wow. <laughs> so Michael, in the, in the current environment, businesses are, are paying their employees to, to have abortions and, tra and travel expenses if they need to go out of state. But you're doing something very different from your staff. Tell us about it. Well, we certainly are. We're doing something very different. But we actually hope that this will become the norm. We're doing this 
so that hopefully other companies will follow suit and do this as well because we believe that ultimately a company is only as strong as the families that have actually built it and we believe even on a more macro point that strong families build a strong nation so what we wanted to do is practice what we preach put our money where our mouth is we are a pro-family company so we said what if we actually while target amazon Lululemon, Walmart, well, companies like that are paying $4,500 for their employees' abortions, which I think is immoral and egregious and actually pretty disempowering to their staff. Why don't we do the opposite? Why don't we actually give $5,000 as a bonus after tax to any of our employees that have a child or choose to adopt? So the way that this practically works is that obviously we as a company offer great family benefits already. This is on top of that. It's a $5,000 bonus after tax. It is not limited to one child. So if you have twins, if you have multiple kids as you're an employee of this company, this bonus will be new every time. It also applies to not just the moms, but if you are a dad who's on staff and your spouse is pregnant uh, and has that baby, you are absolutely entitled to that 5,000 as well. And then if you're seeking to adopt, we will actually give you that $5,000 bonus when you begin the adoption process to help, uh, to help offset some of those costs. Because as I'm sure you know, adoption can be very expensive. So we initiated this program recently and uh, it's working very well so far. We've had uh, over four uh, babies utilize this bonus already, and we've had another three pregnancies announced in the last two weeks. So pretty exciting. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so Michael, you must have, you're young, your, your organization is, is young, so your staff must be relatively young um, having so many babies, so that's <laughs> wonderful. Well, thank you. Yeah, we are definitely a younger staff. Uh, we're, we're excited about the future of our country, and we believe ultimately that one thing that will help our country is if we've got more truth believing babies running around. We've got to keep our population together and we have to celebrate life. If a country does not celebrate life, and certainly if a company does not celebrate life, what good is it ultimately for the long run? You're not leaving any legacy and you're actually not helping your employees' journeys on a more holistic level. We believe ultimately that um, families are what makes life worth living. They're special, they're beautiful, they're worth protecting and cherishing. And given that's the value of our company, it makes a lot of sense that we would have an initiative like this. And then the last thing I'll say on that is that um, while we're a new company, we've grown very fast. We're one of the fastest growing tech companies out there at the moment. We actually hit a million members faster than Twitter did on our platform. And wow. so our staff is growing pretty rapidly as well. So we're, uh, we're nearing 100 employees and we're wanting to kind of set this in stone before we cross that milestone. And then we're going to keep it on for the future. All right. Wow. So uh, in addition to the great thing you're doing for the employees, would you say you're making a political statement? You know, that's a good question. I, I see this as more of a principled take than a political position. Although, unfortunately, everything is political these mm -hmm. days. It seems like everybody is trying to strap a political label on something. There was a time in our country when standing for life was seen as a far deeper statement of value rather than a political move. But sadly, even matters of life and death have become political these days. And so um, I would say that our primary goal is to be principled in this approach. We have this core value as a company because we believe in ultimately the principles and the values that are protected by our constitution, that we're endowed by our creator, these unalienable rights for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And ultimately we believe that those rights should be allotted to everyone in the public square especially the most vulnerable, which is the unborn. Everything I just said shouldn't be seen as political. And yet today in the 21st century, unfortunately, it is. So I think to that extent, sure, I'm being political, but it's far <laughs> deeper than that. Well, Michael, tell us again, um, where can people go to uh, find out more about Public Square, um, either if you're a company maybe that wants to join or just someone that wants to, to purchase? 
I'd be happy to. You can head to publicsq.com. That's the best place to get started because there you'll be able to either join as a consumer for free or you can actually add your business for free. It's a simple process. We're never going to ask you for money. We'll never charge you to use the platform. We want this to be able to grow as America's marketplace. Uh, we have revenue sources through advertising and other ways that don't require us to sell user data or any of that. So uh, for us, this is a really incredible community that's been built, and it's one that we're excited about hopefully setting a new standard for what commerce looks like in our country. We ultimately believe that if you want to change society, you have to shift the power structures of society, which are often found through commerce, back toward the values of we the people. And we do believe that the American people especially, we love life. And so we as a company are trying to celebrate that, and you can join us at publicsq.com. All right. Well, we are thrilled what you're doing at Public Square. Um, it's just, it's revolutionary. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you so much for, uh, for coming on and for what you're doing for life. It's fantastic. And before we well, say goodbye, Michael, I just want to let our viewers know that at the end of the interview, uh, we're going to share the short video that shows a little bit more about Public Square. So thank you again for joining us. Well, thank you, Leslie, Teresa. I've appreciated coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Priest for Life National Director Frank Pavone and Street Activism Coordinator Brian Kemper are two of the pro-life leaders featured in a new book to be published Monday by the Florida Family Policy Council. Legacy of Life is a hardbound commemorative book honoring 50 of the greatest pro-life leaders living and deceased over the last 50 years. The book's release follows by just two days the one-year anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, a day all of the featured leaders had worked toward for decades. John Stenberger is the president of the Florida Family Council. He said he has three goals for the book, honoring those who have led the fight to abolish abortion, preserving their stories, and inspiring the next generation of pro-life leaders who will take up what Stenberger called the greatest human rights struggle in the world. Pavone's profile details his 30 years at the helm of Priests for Life, one of the world's largest ministries dedicated to ending abortion. Kempers tells the story of his redemption from a chaotic life and how his passion for pro-life came about. Order a copy, visit LegacyOfLifeBook.com. This week's show marks the one-year anniversary of pro-life primetime news. Our first show aired on June 25th, the day after the Dobbs decision reversed Roe v. Wade. And what an exciting year it has been. The pro-life landscape has been one that has been constantly changing over the last year. As soon as Dobbs was decided, about 10 states began protecting the unborn, and now there are 15 or so that have various levels of protection. Some of these laws are in effect, saving tens of thousands of lives already. 
Others are waiting for state courts to rule on them. We have been honored to bring you the up-to-the-minute developments this year, and we look forward to continuing to do so. Along with the successes, we have unfortunately experienced a devastating number of attacks against pro-life activists, pregnancy centers, and churches. We were grateful to share with you the story of Pennsylvania activist Mark Houck's arrest by heavily armed FBI agents who surrounded his house. And even happier that we were able to report his acquittal on charges of violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic, Clinic Entrances Act and to hear directly from him as a guest on our show. Our friend Mark Lee Dixon joined us on several occasions to tell us about the success of Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn Movement. There are currently more than 60 local governments across the United States that have adopted ordinances banning abortions and declaring themselves Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn since the grassroots movement launched in 2019. One of our favorite stories was meeting with Monica Kelsey, the founder of Safe Haven Baby Boxes. The mission of this organization is to prevent illegal abandonment of newborns by providing a safe place for parents to surrender their baby. To date, Safe Haven Baby Boxes have referred more than 500 women to crisis pregnancy centers, assisted in nine adoption referrals, and have had over 120 legal safe haven surrenders. 25 babies have been surrendered and three babies were surrendered directly to firefighters at Safe Haven Baby Box locations. Two of our guests are well known and we were honored to have them on the show. Mason Deschamps, also known as Pro-Life Spider-Man, joined us and shared his passion for climbing skyscrapers to raise money for women in crisis pregnancies. Christian recording artist and previous lead singer with 10th Avenue North, Mike Donahue, spoke with us on several occasions to discuss his performance at the National Prayer Service before the March for Life in D.C., and recently gave our fathers in the audience some practical advice for Father's Day from his new book, Grace in the Gray, A More Loving Way to Disagree. Teresa and I spent a great deal of time unraveling the Mifepristone story rulings in order to keep you up to date. As of April 21st, 2023, the U.S. Supreme Court issued an emergency ruling that allows continued access to the abortion pill in states where abortion is legal. We're still waiting for the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals to issue its ruling that could take the deadly chemical abortion drug off the market. On a personal note, on our first show, I was so excited to share the birth of my grandson, Caden, who was born a month before, and to show you his parents' reactions when hearing his heartbeat for the first time on an ultrasound. Well, he just had his first birthday, and I couldn't pass up this opportunity without showing you how much he has grown in just one year. My grandson, Sage, turned two, but I'm under strict orders not to broadcast his photo. <laughs> so we are so happy you've stuck with us through this first year, and we hope you will continue to watch as we bring you all the exciting developments leading up to the 2024 elections, as well as the abortion news as it happens. We also want to thank Rob, yes. uh, Rob Collins, who is, was our original producer, designed the whole show, designed yes. the set. Yes. And now we have as, our as producer is John Thomas, and we've just been joined in our studio team by Neil Maharis. So we yes. are very grateful for all of them. And we also want to thank our uh, substitute co-anchor, oh, yes. when one of us can't be here, Anthony Vassone, uh, who jumps in and, and fills our, our chairs when we can't be here. That's true. So, and thank um, you to Priest for Life for letting us have the show. Yes, and thank you all for <laughs> yes. watching. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priests for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. We hope you will tune in every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. If you like our show, please support us by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priests for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating God's people to end abortion. 
I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.